The Roundball Project is brought to you by Striptease, the one-stop shop for the discerning Australian football fan. They specialise in designing football-centric shirts, hoodies, phone cases and masks. Yes, masks. Plus a whole lot more so you can look as good around town as you do at the game. Find them at striptease.com.au. That's S-T-R-I-P-T-E-E-S dot com dot A-U. Enjoy the podcast. Did the fullback bring him down? First time, maybe even second time. Still we go on. Juric has dribbled his way clear. Welcome to the Round Ball Project. I'm your host, Neil Simons, and today I'm joined by a possible future Olympian, Daniel Bowman. Uh, yes, as you probably may know, he was a part of the under-23 Australian squad in uh, who, who in this January uh, qualified for the Olympics, finishing third. He currently plies his trade in Holland uh, with SC Canberra. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. And the Erste Divisie. In, uh, and having played with one of, one of the uh, highest prospects uh, in Australian football currently, um, he's got a very storied career at the bright young age of 22 years old. Uh, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I'll just say that your pronunciation was uh, pretty good, actually. Oh, there we go. <laughs> like, I, I had to pronounce um, Reese Williams Club um, in Saudi Arabia. Oh, gee. Uh, I think it was like, it was, uh, what was it called? Uh, I can't even remember. It was like Al Quadzio or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Was, I was like, that was a nightmare. But uh, I thought we'd take a deep dive into your. Uh, playing career thus far yeah, uh good. so um i guess uh according to i guess i've done a bit of research obviously i think it's good to do some research on your yeah. guests before they come on uh i think i believe uh, i believe you moved to australia when you were about uh four, uh four years old or something like that so like do you remember your uh, time in holland prior to i guess moving to australia um I don't really remember much of it. Obviously, I was really young. Um, most I've got I've got some small memories, and um, also parents obviously uh, made a lot of videos, and um, so we got heaps of family videos and photos and everything. And then if I watch them or see see those photos again, obviously like I get little flashbacks, so I do remember things. Um, uh, but like you know, big things I don't remember because I was only what three or four, uh, four when I moved to Australia. So yeah. Yeah, and I guess we'll move into sort of your career in Australia. Obviously, you weren't here for too long. Uh, so, playing at many clubs, as Manly United and many other clubs. Yeah. Uh, how was that sort of MPL youth experience, I guess, uh, only about five, six years ago, really? Um, yeah, it was a good experience. Um, when when you first when I first tried out for what was it was called back then, uh, Reps, or the Metropolitan League, and I tried out for... Uh, the team in the area, so Gladesville Hornsby. Um, yeah, that was you know the first steps going from real amateur football from one training or maybe two trainings a week to uh, three trainings, and um, you know it gave you gave the stepping stones and the understanding what uh, you know what it would take to become a footballer, and it's uh, it's working on 
on your trade every day or, or being focused, you know, or and all those sort of things. And then once moving up the age groups, so moving up to um, – I went from Glaze of Hornsby, I then played for Spirit and then Manly, so uh, as you said, and then I uh, went to Blacktown City. Um, you know, I tried to I tried to make uh, positive steps every every time I could, so trying to get a, a level higher. Um and yeah, it was all it was all very good for my for my um, development. Um, continuing to playing with the to play with the best you know you know the best players of my age group in the in the state. Um, so yeah, it was all all very positive, and it uh, you know it gave me the the stepping stones and the development to eventually uh, move to the Netherlands and and play in the Netherlands. And I guess I'll touch on very briefly. Uh, I guess. If people don't know exactly your playing style, where you where you play, I've watched many highlights. I watched you in the uh, tournament earlier this year. Just describe to the listeners uh, where you play and what you'd like to, you know, how you uh, seek to cultivate a winning uh, formula. Um, so, so in the tournament that uh, a lot of people might have seen recently, that I played uh, the Olympic qualifications, um, I played a, a lot as a, you know, as a second striker, or because we played a lot of four four two, and I played a striker, and that's definitely a position that I can play. But my um, my whole career, I've actually um, been more of a, a midfielder, so a centre mid, actually an attacking mid. Um, in the season that I, my last season at FC Groningen, uh, in the reserve team, where I scored. Uh, uh, 14 goals, I think it was, and five assists or something in the 24 matches, um, which was my best season um, by far. Uh, I actually I didn't play a single minute of strike. I played the whole season as uh, as in a centre mid, yeah, and um, one or two games actually as a winger. So I'm so I'm quite a versatile player, um, and so I'd say that my my strengths as as a as a midfielder, let's say, um, is definitely my, my work rate. My I'm, I'm a bit of a box-to-box player, and I love making runs from the midfield in behind the defense. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah. it seems like at, at, you're actually very, very tall for attacking midfielder, like the traditional yeah, I am. David Silvers David or not. So I guess it allows you to sort of like dominate through the midfield. Really, 100%. Yeah, so like, I guess... Uh, yeah, I give, I give, see your stature. Yeah, yeah, I give, I give a different option as an as an attacking midfielder because you know obviously a lot of number tens, um, uh, you know the small dribblers and and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, but if if a coach needs, uh, you know, it's a box to box midfielder that uh, that is powerful and with with uh, running work rate and then making runs in behind. And a lot of my goals I actually score um, from coming in late into the box or timing my runs into the into the box. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, uh, I think one of my strengths and what I can bring to a game, you know, that, that power and that, that going forward movement in a team. Yeah. So I guess we'll touch on the move to, to, uh, Holland or, I don't even know if it's a Holland or Netherlands. What's, what's the, the sort of corrector? <laughs> uh, technically it's the Netherlands. So that's the, that's the actual name. There's, um, back, back ages ago or something, people started to call it Holland because there's actually, uh, in the Netherlands you have, well, in Australia you have states and in the Netherlands you have, uh, provinces, which is sort of like a state. And there's a province, uh, where the where Amsterdam is the capital is called North Holland, and I think a lot of people got confused because Amsterdam was in North Holland, and you know the Holland just beca- sort of became uh, the name. Uh, okay, but yeah. um, but the actual the correct term is the Netherlands. It's like you have like um South South Australia, and then you have yeah. like I don't know uh, yeah. Western Australia, and then you have like yeah. Victoria and all these yeah. as well. It's like different. Yeah, yeah it's actually pretty interesting. So I'll, I'll refer to Holland because I usually I sort of like to 
I don't know, alternate. But anyway, um, no the first that first move uh, overseas uh, to to FC. Uh, you pronounced it correctly before. I forgot what you said. How, how you <laughs> Groningen. Groningen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so, like, was it like a trial involved? There's not a lot of information. Um really surrounding that uh, move but obviously moving at such a young age you know i guess tr- before the traditional 18 19 year old moves that we see nowadays um sort of re- reaching your um youth peak uh, whilst in uh, holland so describe that sort of first move yeah it was um so it was back when i was it started when i was um i was at blacktown city i moved there and um well, I've obviously, I've got family in the Netherlands and um, we, every once in a while, we, we went to the Netherlands to see my dad's family um, and um, I was able to, luckily, um, I was able to, you know, have a training, have a, a sort of training trial with FC Groningen and it was, um, in the first instance, it was actually, the, the only idea was for me to see, okay, what's the level of the boys playing in, you know, a top club youth academy in the Netherlands and at what level am I in Australia and, you know, what do I need to work on, blah, blah, blah. And um, the the trial or the training went really well and they actually said that that I could play for their teams if I was to live, um, if I was to live there, if I wanted to move over. And um, so that's where it all started. And then uh, we decided as, as family to move over Um uh, dad wanted dad's uh, wanted to move back and see more of his family um my mom likes the country and my sister i've got a younger sister who's uh who's quite young and she was also born in the netherlands but uh she she does, doesn't remember as much as i do so she loved the idea of you know going back to the country where she was born and so then it sort of came out that we moved back as a family and um yeah i joined uh, fc Groningen under 17s at the time um and um yeah, that's where it, where it all started, and it was you know it was a complete different type of football. But I guess we'll get get into that in the soon. Yeah, because I guess a lot's been made of I guess the similarities between Australian and uh, like Holland football. Because I think the I think the coaches in Australia are placing great emphasis on the, on playing that style of play, which has yeah. um, been emphasized there. People say it's f- failed. I'm not really going to place judgments, but um, I guess you know you've lived it. I think not not a lot of um, players who have played in Holland. Uh, from Australian knowledge, actually, there are, there are a couple. I think. Um, yeah, a couple. Uh, I do want to touch on Arjun Trostek a little bit. Obviously, you were, you were at the club at the same time for yeah. a period. Um, what's the bond like there with him? And I guess you know, playing similar positions. Um, how does how how has he sort of played into your um, I guess uh, period as a as a footballer yeah. along with like along with like another Australian. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm I met him quite quickly when he when he joined the club, and he was he's I believe he's two years older than me. So we were never in the in the same team, unfortunately. But we we've had a we've trained a number of times together, or when I trained with the, or had a practice match with the first team, or even when he just came when he was younger and he made some minutes with us in the reserve team. Um, and he, you know he's he's a he's a great footballer. He's technically he's really skilled and everything. And you know just watching watching his movements and uh, and his you know decisions and, and creativity as well as also obviously the other players in the first team and in the Netherlands you know just uh, you can learn a lot from uh, a lot from that sort of stuff and uh, you know we talked uh, uh, heaps when we when we saw each other and all that sort of stuff so yeah it was a good bond and I guess uh, you moved into the 21s and, and the 19s I guess sort of moving up the yeah levels and um 
your last season in the 21s, you had a really stellar season, I guess, uh, across yeah. these 39 games that you played with the 21s, you scored 16 goals or some, some astronomical figure around that. You could probably, you probably know, you probably know your stats better than I do. <laughs> um, uh, I guess as you moved up the youth, the youth ranks within, within Holland, I guess a lot of emphasis is placed, especially in, in, in those areas, uh, in those regions of development. You've seen a lot of players uh, make it in the Premier League and, and what, like Van Persie and yeah. a lot of young players at the moment. So I guess, can you see like the quality there that like, it's like evident that they will sort of become something in, in the future? Oh yeah, obviously you've got, you know, um, every team's got, you've got players where, you know, they just really stand out and then and then other other players, you know, and then the majority are, you know, are just also good footballers. But in saying that, it's not always the player that at a at a young age, so for example, in the under seventeens that you watch them, you think, Wow, that that's he's an amazing player, good technique, everything. It's not always that that player become goes as far as someone else that, you know, might be skilled a, li- a little bit less technically but um works twice as hard because I- i'm a strong believer of of someone uh, of if you work really hard and work twice as hard as someone that's you know really skilled that you can you can come just as far or even further and you know that was a little bit the story with me when I, i'll be honest when i first moved over i obviously came from australia and the what 80 percent of the team that uh of the boys in the team that i joined had been at the club already years and you know the youth system in the netherlands is all is is amazing and technically they were really skilled so there was a lot of things that i had to work on you know tempo tempo of the play my passing being you know harder firmer and my first touch being that bit better so that i can give myself a bit extra time and those are all things i had to work on and someone that probably watched me in in my first year there probably wouldn't have thought, oh, that's a standout player and is going to uh, go as far as as maybe what I am now. Um, but uh, but I'm a really hard worker, and you know I worked, I stayed back after trainings, um, worked worked hard, and there's a lot of boys in that under 17 team that don't even play or play it at a low level now and someone like me who's worked extremely hard has gotten has gotten far yeah. and is continuing to pushing on uh with his career and i guess we'll just go to the end of that of, of that uh of your time at uh, gronian uh, god I'm yeah doing it wrong. Nah, that's all right anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, i guess what really brought the move to um the, uh, your, the your current club SC Cambrou, Cambrou. Um, I guess because I guess you were at, at twenty one or, or whatnot twenty twenty one and yeah. you weren't really getting opportunities in the first team. You would yeah. think that was it was it within your mind that you wanted to get opportunities in the first team, or you felt that you were at that uh, sort of level to get to break into the first team at that age. Um, are you talking about Chronian before I moved to Cambrou? Uh, yeah, sorry, yes, I would yeah. be more, more specific. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Um, when when I had the talk with the with the directors and and the and the coaches at Groningen after my uh my season, which I thought I did really well in, um, I I was I was a bit disappointed because I thought they'd they'd give me a chance. Um, but that year they actually they cut a lot of boys because they they so they had an under twenty ones team and they decided to not have one the next year. So all the the younger players, the the nineteen and twenty year olds in the team, they were a lot of them were. Uh, cut as well so so yeah it was it was quite disappointing and I obviously was at the age where I wanted to you know move to a first team and and give it my best shot and you know start 
making minutes. And um, if it was at Groningen, that 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 would have been awesome. But um, I was also I I had belief that I had had uh, a a good season, and that if in if I was if it wasn't going to be in Groningen, that I'd be able to find a new club. And then luckily I had a, a bit of interest around in in the Netherlands, and uh, in the end, and decided for Kombu. And following, I guess, that exit, were there any other clubs that sort of caught your eye, I, I, even in Australia? Because I'm sure there a lot, a lot of them, there would have been interest across uh, Europe and, I guess, Australia, possibly, I, I wouldn't know. But uh, what were the, what was it like those decisions that you had to make and what were like the factors that, pay, that played into your decision, ultimately? Um. So there was so there was a little bit of there was uh, interest in the Netherlands and also a little bit in uh, in Australia. Um, that was this was before I had joined my first national team camp for for Australia. So there was yeah. a bit less. I'd say now there's there's definitely a lot more. Ooh, um, inside scoop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, yeah, you know there was there's a whole bunch of factors. You got to look at what type of club it is, what what type of football they play. I'm I'm not the type of person that likes you know a lot of long balls. Um, do you reckon that you get a chance? What's the coach like? How's you, when you t- talk to them for the first time? Uh, what's that like? So you know a lot of different factors, and uh, in the end, um, yeah, the combo move happened. And I guess. It seems I, I've had a, a little bit of peruse just around the sort of a lifestyle of club. It seems to be a very like tight knit, very yeah. I wouldn't say communal, but I, I guess it's a very like it seems like a very comfortable environment for you to be playing at the moment, doesn't it seem? Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is yeah, it's a a really nice club. Uh, the fans at the club are like I've fans that I've never experienced before. They're they're really behind. They back the club uh, to the death. Um, and you know all the people at the club, the staff, or everyone in the offices. Yeah, all really nice people that um, everyone gets a can get along with. Yeah. And I guess can you describe how your season currently has been? Obviously, prior to the uh, to the outbreak, uh, Cumber were doing very well in the league, and it, it just it's a real shame that yeah uh, that that it happened. You've obviously voiced your disappointment. Yeah. Uh, just sort of embellish on your, your season so far that's all the, the adjustment to to the second division yeah so um honestly um it's it's been a little bit of a disappointing season um if you if anyone looks up my statistics um i haven't really been able to break uh, through you know the first team um i'm completely part of the first team so i train every day with them and that's uh, that's awesome yeah. because they the you club- made you made the bench for most of the season it's just yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just you know, I don't know. It's yeah. Keep, well, keep there's 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 a number of reasons why. Um, you know, the club they obviously had their own opinions, so didn't think I was up to the level yet. Um, and also that the club was just you know I got to give it to the team. We're doing we were doing so so well that um. <laughs> Yeah, if, I, if, I if guess, the team's doing so well, yeah. why why would it, why would the coach you know make a lot of changes? Yeah, and I guess I, I was sort of want to just talk about I guess your frustration because I can only imagine because um, we've seen a lot of league shut down obviously uh, league uh, uh, recently the yeah. Scottish Premier League uh, shut down as well. What are your sort of like thoughts currently speaking? I guess with the administrators within the within the game uh, in Holland about to shut the season down and essentially. Yeah. 
eliminate any chance of promotion in the next year. Yeah, um, obviously everyone at the club was was really disappointed when the when the first bit of news have there been came. any appeals? Have there been any appeals lodged? Yeah, yet? so yeah, so last uh, what was it about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago? Um, so it's in the news, so you you can find it. Um, Kombu and the club that was coming second in the. First division, uh, well, second division, Eastern Division. Um, they got lawyers and they actually appealed the the decision. Um, by by the judge or in court or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. And um, it's I think it was half a, about half a week ago. Um, the decision came out that the decision would be withheld. Um, so they wouldn't change it. Um, which was really unfortunate. And uh, you know, obviously everyone in the club was was so disappointed when the first bit of news came out that there would be no promotion and relegation because we you know we'd work so hard as a, as a team as a club as you know supporters and um yeah and then um to find out that uh so the so then when they brought in lawyers everyone got a bit of hope up um and then in the end uh you know the the judge didn't think uh, it was need uh, it was needed to to change the decision from the Carver Bay, so from the directors in the by football in the new uh, in the Netherlands, um, and which means we'll yeah we're staying in the in the Eerste Divisie. And obviously you're currently uh, back home now. Yeah. But when when was it like a choice for you to well I guess was it a choice or was it just mandatory that you guys had to return to your respective um, host countries? No, it was it was a choice. Um, so all my family's living here in in Australia again. Um, I was I was living on my own there oh, with so the a couple. family. The, so the whole family left. Yeah. So um, oh wow. Two, yeah. So two years ago, my mum and my sister uh, decided to move back. Uh, my sister wanted to study uh, back in in Sydney, and mum got promotion for for work that she was still doing with this with this company here in in Australia. Um, and so I lived for that last season at FC Groningen. I lived uh, with my dad um, for a year for well for a whole season, and then when I got the move to Kombu. Um, we decided it was time for me to, you know, make a step up and, and move out. Yeah. So I've been living the last season with a couple of other boys in the in the team yeah. in, the, in like a house that Kombu has organized for us. So that's, you know, that's been a, a whole new experience and been really nice as well. And yeah, when I moved out, dad was obviously was not going to stay on his own in the Netherlands. So he moved back as well. And so, yeah, from that, when this coronavirus sort of happened, it was it was obviously a decision to to uh to come back it was it wasn't that uh kombu had said that everyone needs to go home but um yeah i decided to come uh, geez that's very intense but i guess you should be thankful that we are that, that, that the situation here isn't too no, bad yeah I'll, yeah I'll put it that way yeah it's better which, than which in the netherlands if, if you look at the statistics and everything yeah yeah, yeah. but uh yeah i saw we just sort of t- maybe take a break from football just a little bit and sort of delve into the uh, different lifestyles compared to from Australia to yep. uh, the Netherlands. So what are sort of the key aspects um, which you find uh, that are very integral to, I guess, wouldn't say surviving, but uh, adjusting to the lifestyle in uh, the Holland uh, more, more easily, more easier, sorry. Um, you got to be able to live in cold weather. <laughs> step, <laughs> step number one. Um you got uh, because obviously the winters over there they 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 get pretty freezing. Um, I remember before I came 
back here. Um, I was scraping ice off my off my car window before trainings in the morning. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta have some sort of uh, level in that in you that you can yeah. survive in cold weather. Um, other things are you know it's it's a it's a culture that loves its its bikes. So and which is actually really nice because everything's so close by. Um, that that a lot of the time driving with the car is is just is not necessary um, uh, because the the shops are often like a five minute bike ride um, so yeah uh, that's not obviously not a necessity if you move over to the Netherlands that you got to be able to ride a bike but you know it's it's really handy um, yeah um what else uh obviously you know there's there's just a different culture there the, the, the people over there are much more direct. They won't sort of. Oh, yeah. They'll they'll say it how it is. Um, yeah, they, they sort of won't beat around the bush. Yeah. No, exactly, exactly that. Um, so, yeah, but that's something that once you move over there, that you, you know, the first couple of times that you're talking to someone there and they sort of uh, quite direct to you or tell you exactly what you need to do or whatever. Um, you might, yeah, you know, get a, be a bit startled, but eventually you'll you'll sort of pick up on it. And that's actually, it's it's a type of culture that I actually don't mind because, you know, a lot of times people beat around the bush a bit too much, you know, and uh, so friendly that sometimes when you just want to know something, they'll just tell you straight away how it is. Yeah. And it's kind get, of funny at the same time. The point. Though, yeah. I guess it's what you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've been there now six years and and so, so I'm, well, I'm used to it. So I can't really you know, say, um, yeah, but yeah, those sort of things. And obviously, you know, food over there is different, but that's everything that to any country that you go to, you, yeah, you'll exactly. need to adjust. Yeah. So, yeah. What was like the impetus that you needed to stay there? Because a lot of Australians go overseas and just sort of just, I guess, detract from like their actual purpose. And I guess they don't really feel like they have the sort of comfort and, and will and drive to sort of continue. But I guess, what made it easier for you? And can you give some advice to many Australians that have actually recently made the move overseas? There are many that I can name right now. Um, yeah. I'm sure you know who they are. Yeah. Uh, sort of give them some advice to, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, it was, it was a bit easier, I guess, because I had my, I had my family come with me um, and I, and I moved over at a, quite a young age. So at, I can't remember if I was 15 or 16, but let's just say 16. And, um, and then having family with you during, you know, disappointing times or setbacks, you know, obviously helps quite a lot. Um, and but one of the reasons that for me to stay there and and keep pushing um, at such a young age every year was that I felt like the Netherlands was the best place to develop my football. Um, I well, I didn't think that say. At 17 or 18, 19, 19 coming back to Australia, I re- um, to Australia, sorry, was was a better choice. I didn't think that. I thought that staying over there, you know, and staying there as long as I could and trying to break through there, was um, the best option for me. Um, because I'm a strong believer that playing and training at the highest level that you can develops you the best. And oh, yeah, um, for sure. And that and trainings there. Some of the trainings, even at Comber as well. Even though we're in the Eerste Divisie, where where so many points clear that you can see that we're a really good side, and we play we play sometimes amazing football, and it's yes, just it's, a, it's, a, a a very high level. 
so, like, Colin's you know, football, like, extremely entertaining. It's extremely yeah. entertaining. Yeah, like it's 100%. yeah, like you see Ajax. Ajax are just and, and yeah, those 100%. teams are just phenomenal. Like you know, you see like players like Steven Bergvine, like those guys. Yeah. come to the Premier League. Like he's lit up the Premier League. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, just a, a, advice that I'd give to any young players or players in general going over to the Netherlands or or any country in in that matter is that throughout your career or your life, you'll always have setbacks and you'll always have you know good things come your way um but to remember that those setbacks they won't last forever and just if you just put your head down during a setback keep working keep uh keep fighting um eventually um it'll turn around and you'll you'll start seeing uh positive things again and 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 also just because within a half year you might not be playing um because i've got an example of that in my so when I made my first year in the under-21s for FC Kronion, because I played there for two years, I didn't play a match until Christmas, so half a season. I didn't make a single minute. Yikes. And then in the second half of the season, I actually started playing quite a lot. And then at the end, I was surprised that they said, um, we'd like to have you another year. And then the next year, well, I scored the 14 goals and five assists, and I had an amazing season. And that's just an example of of, uh, of when you have setbacks and, uh, and negative moments, just to keep pushing and working hard. Pushing, um, yeah. Because you know, it'll turn around if you believe in yourself, and you, and if you believe that it will. And I guess we'll uh, move into I guess your my your goals to game ratio for the Oliveros is phenomenal. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like <laughs> four appearances, two goals. That's actually pretty good. So I guess uh, obviously playing as like a second striker in the, in the Oli Roos, I guess, how did, um, I'm not sure if Graham Arnold would have been the coach when you made your debut. I'm not entirely sure, but. No, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, so I've been to three camps now and the first two camps was mainly taken by Gary Van Egmond. Yeah. And that's, so I guess where, moving that's where into I made the, my... Yeah, so uh, how did Australia get in contact? Have you had any other contact with uh, Holland? And uh, sort of describe, I just get to describe those campaigns and describe those camps. And uh, I think we'll touch on the whole AFC Under-23 Championship uh, a bit later. Um, yeah, so the first time that... Um, so I think it was about a year ago or two, maybe. I'd once I'd gotten a message... Um, that the, the FFA or whoever organizes the the teams and the camps that that I was on this extended squad and when I, when I heard that uh, two years ago, um, you know that was amazing already because you sort of realize oh all the work I'm doing here people are starting to notice me and um, but I never got called up for a team and then uh, and then when I got called up I can't remember what was it August or. October or something for my first camp in, in Qatar, um, you know that was that was amazing. Finally being called up for one and and meeting all the um, boys um, and meeting the coaches obviously as well. And for the first time going overseas to to uh, to Qatar of all places, I'd never thought I'd go to Qatar to play <laughs> to, yeah. to play for the national team. Um, yeah, it was amazing and. Um, then I ended up being called up for the next one as well for a friendly tournament in China where I had a really good tournament scoring two goals uh, um, yeah. in the three games. And I think that sort of um, helped 
it's my case in front of the eyes of of uh, Graham Arnold and, and Gary Van Egmond and Renee Molestein, um in seeing that uh, that I was a player that um, you know could help the the Oliveros out and yeah. score goals and get in the box, you know, and 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 be be dangerous. And then um, obviously getting called up for the for the AFC one um, was was even even better. Um, was I was really happy, obviously, being able to go with the uh, the under twenty three team and try put uh, Australia through to the to the Olympics was awesome. So I think I speak for many uh, Australian football fans that I guess that tournament was a, a whirlwind of emotions. I remember, yeah, um, you know, I, I think I remember was it. Um, those kickoff times were just like they weren't as bad as, as like the Premier League, but they were pretty bad. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember watching. I think it was a game against Thailand. I'm not sure it was Thailand or something, but yeah. uh, Scorpo just with that free kick. Oh my god! Yeah, that yeah. was yeah. It, insane. And I guess really there was a lot of focus on on the on that Olymp, uh, I guess qualification campaign that really yeah. caught the eye of the uh, the general public even. And yeah. I guess describe that experience because especially moving from holland which it would have been winter then to move to the I, apparently it was so hot there it uh, was. I listened to, to, Tom, to thomas deng um he had an interview i think with the ffa and describe like the climate and i guess the adjustments to playing in that weather number one yeah so um for a lot of the so we had obviously had a number of boys that um that play in europe um and all yeah. of us we came from obviously a cold winter and went straight to um first it was malaysia and then obviously the tournament in thailand and you know that was that took real adjusting and um i can only speak out of you know obviously personal experience but um you know i it it took quite a quite a lot of energy out of out of myself um you know, it was so humid. It was it was really hot. After even five minutes just running around on the field, you were just drenched in sweat, and your you, your shirt yeah. felt really heavy. And um, <laughs> you know, that was, that was one of the things I remember like, during every half time um, when it, when I'd obviously started um, the match, uh, I had ice packs all over my necks and I had my shirt out because you know. Um, and a lot of the other boys, obviously, as well. Um, mm. I feel like the, the boys that were playing in Australia um, were a little bit more adjusted than us, but, you know, obviously it was yeah. still really hot for them. And um, yeah. I obviously, I got subbed uh, every time that I started. I got subbed around the hour mark, and, you know, that was that was nearly every time. It was because uh, I'd just, you know, run out of energy, and that was sort of how much I could give of 100% of my yeah. energy before... It, and you know, just putting on fresh legs was obviously great. Yeah. Um, Arnie knew that that I'd come. They all, all the, they all knew all the staff there had spoken with me as well before. You know, matches saying that we know that you come from you know cold weather in the Netherlands. So they all, they all knew that, and you know, that was the reasoning. Yeah. So I thought we'd take you through the tournament. I guess a bit of nostalgia for many of us. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that first game against Iraq. That was sorry. That that's actually the this Biscopo free kick. Yeah, yeah. At that moment, when I guess you got that result, a uh, one-one. Obviously, it's 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 a relatively good result. Did you feel that within the tournament that you were going to come in and qualify immediately, or was it more of just a um, we need to work hard for this because it hadn't been done in twelve years prior? Yeah. So I guess 
what did Graham Arnold really say to the whole team and how was he as a coach? Yeah. Um, well, f- from the get-go, he he had a belief in us that was that was really strong and he just he brought it over to us so that from the get-go we also believed in ourselves and and even if we if we if we talk about the Iraq match, we drew one one, and you know it's a relative good result. But we were after the match thinking, oh, we actually should have probably won that match one nil. We should the goal that they scored, you know, it was a great goal. But if we were a bit tighter in one or two moments, we we probably could have taken the ball off off the player. Um, yeah. And but even even after that, he he knew that we we would only grow and grow in this tournament. Um and. And the, and he had this belief that that we'd be able to do it, and um, you know that 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 came onto us. Uh, he he brought that onto us really well, and I think throughout the tournament, even though there were moments, obviously, and everyone saw it, that we weren't playing the best of football, or there were patches in in a game where we where we were struggling, um, and that the 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 opposition might have had uh, you know a lot more a bit more of the ball. We, I think we, as a team, played really well um, and and defended and, and fought for each other, and um, yeah, that 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 came through Arnie and and his, and his talks and belief that 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 we'd be able to do it. Moving forth, I guess I, I want to touch on that Syria uh, quarterfinal. Um, yeah, nil nil at um at after ninety minutes. What yep. was going through, I guess, this, your head at the mo- at that time, and then obviously the elation after that goal and extra time from yep. Alassane Torre, yeah. I guess one of um, Australian football's greatest sons at the moment. Yeah. Um. So, uh, knowing that your campaign could end at any moment, yeah. And I guess it's sort of something new that something new that something new that you've really experienced. So, yeah. uh, what was what was going through your head? I guess both in those games uh, against uh, Syria and why not South Korea as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was obviously it was for, for me and I think for a lot of the boys, the first time we had, we played in such a big tournament where there was so much on the line uh, qualification for the Olympics. And I just, I remember even before the tournament, I just, for myself, I just had in my head like, Oh my God, I, I just so badly want to qualify for the, um, Olympics and 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 get all the way to you know to the final or or, or the third place playoff match um and um in the group stage you know that if you if you drop a point or if you if you even if you lose that you know you've got another chance but when you get to a knockout match um you know it's 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 a, it's a different level because any mistake that you make could get punished and you know could lead to ultimately maybe losing the match or, and and that sort of stuff. And then when it got to zero uh, zero and we we came to extra time, I remember um, I'd started the match and and I got sub uh, subbed off again. And um, I remember I was I was on the bench and I was I was firstly I was just really tired. I was dead. I was just drenched <laughs> and my my calf muscles and everything. Um, you know everything were tight. Um, but the, when the boys came over after the ninety, and and we all got it got together, I remember I was trying to. I went to each player uh, separately, trying to, and I think all the other boys on the bench did as well, just trying to, you know, gear them up, pump them up for the for the next half hour. And um, I remember just sitting on the edge of my seat, and every time that um, or was it Syria came close to our goal, you know, just sort of like, oh my god, is something going to happen? 
And then, uh, you know, when, yeah. when Toure obviously scored the goal, we all jumped up and we all celebrated all together. And, you know, that was that was amazing. Um, and then we, if we move on to the to this uh, South Korea match, um, you know, it was it was a little bit less. Um, you know, if if we knew that if we lost, we would still have a chance. Um, so you, had, you had that reassurance. Yeah, like not that chance. we went in with the idea of okay, we're going to take it easy and we're going to lose so that we keep energy. No, but it, it was just a bit different. I remember uh, that match. I didn't start and. You know, I wasn't on the edge of my seat the whole game, but I was still like, oh, if we get to the final, we know we've already automatically qualified. So so it's just as important. Um, but, you know, yeah, obviously knockout matches, uh, 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 a whole new ball game. And it's really, I think yeah. it's one of the first times I've, I've experienced it at such level. And, you know, it was just, it was a whole new experience. It was amazing. Nick D'Agostino was a real highlight for, I guess, the whole Australian team. Really came through on those latter stages. Yep. Um, so I guess uh, that game against Uzbekistan, um, you know, in Bangkok, 25th yep. of January. I'm sure there'll be a date within your mind that's going to really stay there for a, a long, long time. Yeah. Describe the emotions, I guess, prior to the match. How, how did Arnie sort of, um, yeah, sort of like rev you boys up that yeah you know it's six 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 games in two two or three weeks is a it's a lot uh yeah in all, in all honesty and uh to really sort of come to this culmination to the to this final chapter uh yeah what what like what were the emotions like throughout the, the, the whole squad yeah um so yeah leading up to that to that um final match um we all knew that it was you know it was do or die it was it was the the big chance that we'd been waiting for for even the months before that in the in the training camps uh, preparing for for this moment and um you know the whole the whole tournament throughout the whole tournament Arnie had been saying you know as I said before that he believes in us so much that we'd only been we'll only be getting better and better and um I feel like before that last match even if he had said nothing I reckon we would have been ready for the game because yeah. building up to that match, every player knew themselves how important that match is. And when, as a player, when you know something so big is on the line, you you, you mentally prepare and obviously physically prepare and all the warming up stuff, you do that for yourself. You know how how, how to do that. Um, but obviously Arnie had, had some words before the game telling us, you know, that this was the moment we've been working for. Let's do it for country and all the, our family, uh, back home. Um, I remember just about 10 minutes before we left the hotel, uh, to go to, to the stadium. Um, we had a meeting and it was, it was a bit of a surprise meeting because normally we obviously have set piece meetings and everything, um, but but we had a meeting and we were all sitting there and um, Arnie stood up and he said uh, he had a video for, for all of us and it was a video that they had made with all of our families back in Australia, all of our families oh my God. Um, wishing us good luck. That's insane. You know, and after, after seeing that, it, um, you know, it was, it was also a little bit emotional. I'd obviously not seen my family in one and a half years. Like I hadn't come just from Australia. Um, you know, and just seeing that also obviously geared us up and pumped us up, uh, 
you know, to go out and, and do it. And yeah, that's what we did. Precisely right. Yeah. And I guess uh, it seemed like it seemed to be a very tight knit group as well. I guess there seemed to be a very strong bond with all with all the players. Um, yeah. In a twenty three squad, uh, just to name a few of you guys don't really know Thomas Dang, uh, Alex Gersbach, now at uh, AGF, um, Gabriel Kler, uh Keanu Backus, who also was rumored to get a move there as well, um, was knocked back a couple times by the Wanderers. It's a whole other discussion. Zach Duncan, Aidan O'Neill. Yourself, uh, Dennis Genre, Rabbi Nazarain, uh, Jacob Italiano is currently at Borussia Borussia Gladbach, Renault Piscopo, Tripa Haja, Nick D'Acostino, Alassantori, Ben Falami, and there are more uh, players as well. Tom Glover, Set City as well. I guess uh, a lot of standout prospects, currently speaking. I think, uh, I think you could say playing alongside them. But describe that sort of t- tight knit group and sort of bonding that you for the bonds that you formed along the way oh yeah it was an awesome bunch of lads um and i think we all all got on really well there was there was no there was never any fights or anything um not that you'd expect it but you know sometimes if you if you're sitting on top of each other for a couple of weeks at a camp you know uh, little things can happen but um but no everyone was was really cool together and even on days after the matches when we had a bit of spare time because that's what Arnie thought was important we went out and did group activities and everything and that, everything yeah. went went really smoothly and uh yeah. who, who are you closest with generally speaking um i got on so i roomed with the, the dylan ryan who also uh plays in yeah. the Netherlands, obviously um and i'd roomed with him the the camp beforehand so we we created a, a a nice bond, and um, from earlier camps when he was younger, he had roomed with other boys, and we sort of created a, uh, quite created a nice bond. So boys that I was really yeah. quite got close to was, for example, Ben Falami, Jacob Italiano, who plays in Germany. So you know that's that's really close by. Also, Josh yeah. was plays in Germany. So. Um, you know those boys that that were that are also yeah. European based, and and Ben's obviously in England, which is also not that not that far away. Not far, yeah. So yeah, those those couple of those boys. But but besides that, there were a whole there was a bunch of boys that I, for example, Keanu Backus, I used to play with at Blacktown City back in the under 16s. Um, so I've I've known him for ages as well, and got on well with him. Um. And, and and other boys I used to play against back in the day, um, and or yeah. have known of. Um, so yeah, got on with the uh, with pretty much everyone. That's yeah, really good to hear. And I guess who was like yeah. the jokester of the group? If there was any jokester of the group, who was like probably the funniest out of the <laughs> boys? Um, uh, the I'd say Jordan Holmes. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, he's he's a funny one. Yeah, um, and he got on really well with um, Tass from uh, Western Sydney Wonder- Wanderers. Wanderers, and, yeah. Uh, Tom Glover, though those couple of boys were loved loved a good joke, but were also yeah. uh, really awesome guys. And you could also obviously yeah. speak, you know, as seriously with them and and all those sort of things. And I guess who sort of catches your eye out? In particular, maybe maybe one like one of the younger guys, you know, Zach Duncan or uh, Rami or um, or I don't know, Alassane Torak. He's the he's the golden boy of uh, <laughs> Australian football, generally speaking. Uh, but do you believe that those guys have the potential to really make it big within Australia and Europe? I'm, I'm sure you do. Just yeah. I guess seeing it, seeing it firsthand with all these discussions about youth development, I'm sure you've seen. Uh, 
I, I'm sure you're confident in the future, but just some, yeah. so, so just some thoughts from from the youth. You are yeah. one of the youth players, anyway. Yeah. Well, I, obviously, I thought all the boys that were were at the camp uh, were worthy, you know, to be there, and all very good players, and uh, all have their own attributes and 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 strong points in the game, and you know, those those quite those young ones, as you just mentioned, uh, also uh, really good players. And I strong I strongly believe that everyone that was there, even the couple of older boys, or you know, well, obviously someone like obviously someone like Thomas Deng has already obviously made appearances for the Socceroos. But you know, um, I think I I believe everyone that was there can go on to bigger and and better things and help out uh, Australian football. Um, but you know, everyone obviously, including myself, needs to continue to work hard and continue to yeah. improve their game because. Because where where we're at right now is obviously not where we want to stay. Everyone wants to, you know, improve, get better. And uh, have you been watching those um, state of football discussions about the sport, or just I've watched a couple, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like, what what are you making? Obviously, with the recent golden generation, sort of, they actually established the whole group. Um, we're like pretty much the main players of the golden generation. Do you sort of agree with that sort of notion that we must play? Well, I actually thought of, I, I, I don't really think it's feasible, but playing MPL 1, uh, playing the A-League youth teams after twenty three after under-23s in the MPL 1, or perhaps second division, I'm sure everyone can agree with, but do you think that's sort of the way to move with all of the MPL 1 uh, squads of A-League teams, you know, playing at that level? Um, well, I sort of got, I sort of have two sides to that, so... If- Firstly, um, I haven't because I've been in the Netherlands for a really long time. I don't, I haven't seen like an MPL one or MPL two game in quite a while, so I don't yeah. know exactly what the type of football for, con- is. for context. And, for context, yeah. sorry to interrupt. The Melbourne Victory youth team and Melbourne City, yeah. for example, are MPL three at the moment. Okay, um, yeah. So, so in saying that, um. I am a strong believer of um, if you want to get the best out of a player and improve a player or obviously a team, um, you need to put them in an, in an environment where they're going to play at the highest level football they can against the yeah. best opposition, best the and the toughest opposition that they can. Um, and that's something that I've just learned moving from Australia to the Netherlands because in that move, I came up against a lot of players that were at a at a high level technically and and and, and physically um, where that made me have to improve and step up my game. So I do believe that um, youth, if we want to improve... Uh, the youth of Australian football, we need to put them in in an environment that's going to challenge them and where they're going to play against the the best and and the toughest uh, opposition that they can. Whether that's MPL yeah. one or MPL two or whatever level that needs to be, uh, that I'm not the one to say. But um, yeah. but I do believe that they need to play against you know the best opposition that they can with the yeah. best players and train in the best against the best players because that's the only way yeah. you improve. Absolutely. So I thought that'll just conclude, I guess, the sort of um, 
playing aspect. Uh, I've got some I've got some stats here. You are in FIFA, obviously, for for reasons. But uh, you are in Football Manager. I have um picked you up a couple times. Okay, uh, I might add. Um, so your first touch as of last year, well, for FM19. I'm sure it's not going to change in March, but it's actually at a 20. I'm not sure if you played Football Manager before. Um, no, I you got first touch of you got a first touch of 15 out of 20, which is quite good actually. Oh, uh, 13 technique. 12 decisions, 12 off the ball, 13 work rate, 14 acceleration, 13 agility, 13 jumping reach, and 12 pace. Do you agree with any of... Uh, your, okay, so for context, your finishing is 9, which isn't too bad. Yeah. Uh, what else is it? Long shots is at, uh, 11. Are there any stats you want to know else? Uh, no. What about passing? Passing. Okay, let me check. Passing's 10. And it's all out of 20? Yes. Um. Well, obviously, I'm I'm a young player on the on Football Manager. I don't know how many years I've I've been in that in that game. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I, I haven't really, you know, made a massive mark on football yet, where where heaps of people will know me. Um, so I'm I'm all right with those with those. There are scouts that actually like they do like intense scouts. It's actually like ridiculous. There are some people oh, who have got. Really? Who've actually played football manager, like actually like get like data analyst jobs at like lower league clubs and stuff. It's quite impressive. Okay, no, I'm 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 pretty happy with with those decisions. Um, I was surprised when I saw the 15 first touch. I'm like, this guy's got a touch, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the 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 scouts aren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess transfer market, they're probably the most accurate. Um, uh, sort of uh, source your value. Uh, I'm not sure if you're if you're aware. It's fifty thousand uh, pounds. Does that does that sort of something that you sort of agree with? <laughs> like, as in like a transfer like value. Like, if you were to be transferred like to a club, um, um, that's like the fee that they value actually, yourself. I was like, I'm gonna be honest. I actually don't really know if that's if that's where I'm meant to be or not. Oh, it's higher or lower? Sure, it's higher, much higher. Well, yeah, well, I'd, I'd love it if it was higher, obviously. <laughs> for context, for context, in the 23s, um, like, give me a player, I'll, I'll give you the value. Um, well, what about the, our good old friend Dylan, who's... Um, who's Dylan old- Ryan, okay. Yeah. 100,000. 100,000? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe I could be higher now that you say it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas thinks the highest with um seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand pounds. Yeah, well, he he got a recently a a nice move to what was it Japan? Or? Yeah, did you speak? Did you speak to him about his time at um? Did you actually play against him uh, when he was at PSV? No, I didn't. Or was that? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. He would have been. Yeah, he would have been with the. Obviously, young PSV and then playing in the East Division, and I think that was has like- he has he given you any advice about playing? I guess in that at that level, obviously he's had the experience at a younger age. Oh yeah, um, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have obviously had quite a number of talks and he, and talks about about his time in the Netherlands, um, and telling me how it was and stuff. And um, yeah, he's obviously also given given advice. Um. But he obviously also plays a bit of a different position, so so exactly, you know. A bit hard to, yeah, yeah deviate. Um, not really. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll conclude it there. Honestly, been such a you got gave me so much insight into the the way that uh, football operates. I haven't really had any interviews of guys who have really played their youth and senior football 
at, in Holland or anywhere overseas, to be honest. So it, it's really great to get that insight um, from yeah, no yourself. Worries. No worries. Yeah, and, I always, uh, yeah. always try to try to keep true and honest and uh, I love yeah it's amazing I love, I love telling P I recently had a had an interview with um, a former mentor of mine back in the under 11s and 12s at at Bladesville Hornsby and um, oh, yeah. you know, just being able to tell him about all my experiences and 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 everything yeah, um, yeah I, lo- I love I love telling people about yeah yeah what my experiences have been like and try help them fantastic. out fantastic yeah of course and uh Will we see uh, Daniel Berman in Australia playing football uh, before your career um, comes to a close? Before my career comes to a close? Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, how's the interest at the moment <laughs> from from the A-League or uh, everywhere? Um, <laughs> well, without obviously giving too much away. Um, I'm, no, we, we can't. We can't. <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell that um, I'm looking for a new club uh, because... Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I've I've had talks with Kumbu and uh, we're coming to an uh, to an end together. So I am looking for a new club, and I'll obviously be honest Brilliant. about that. Um, where exactly I can't really say yet because of you know coronavirus has sort of put a stop to a yeah. lot of things. Are there are there any sort of pre-contract agreements at the moment, or is it just um, sort of purely no. negotiation? No, no, purely just uh, just negotiation, talking with a lot of different options, and um, yeah, there's there's a bit of there's a bit of interest in the Netherlands, but also a bit of interest in in Australia. Um, but yeah, um, we'll see at the moment. Yeah, we'll see.